Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. All right, we've got plenty of mailbag questions from you today. All of them answered 100% correctly, your money back. A lot of them about the Buccaneers and, of course, that lopsided loss that they had way out west of the San Francisco 49ers. But first, uh, had a chance to talk to Todd Bowles. He spoke in his press conference, as he always does, game after on Monday. And among the things he talked about was that despite being down 35 to nothing, losing 35 to 7, he was asked if he ever considered pulling Tom Brady from what was essentially a wet field in a very one-sided game. And probably not surprisingly, since you saw what happened, he said, no, really didn't, because we were still trying to score some points. He says, I think the 49ers held the ball the last part of it just to hand the ball off and concede the game. That wasn't it. We were trying to work on some things, so we let him, meaning Tom Brady, stay in the game. Now, in real time, there were some people asking me, I, I think up in the press box, like, you think they're going to keep stick with Brady? You know what my immediate answer was, Steve? Yeah, yeah, they will. Absolutely. You know why? Because Brady won't let them take him out. I think, and, yeah, I think you're right, but I also think because it was in San Francisco, that was part of it too. That that might have had an influence, but I, and I don't know like what percentage you would put that on it. Um, he's got a oh, hundred family and friends there. So they came to watch him play, albeit horribly. But what I know about quarterbacks in the NFL and just that, that alpha personality, and there's no bigger alpha than Tom Brady is this. If they're stinking it up, and, and he was as well, and they're getting the crap kicked out of him, you've got to be out there with your guys and getting beat up too. In other words, to set yourself apart and go, yeah, you know what, I kind of screwed this game up. I'm going to go sit over here so I don't get hurt. You guys go ahead and, and battle it out and let that poor, you know, you know, Blaine Gabbert take all the abuse when you're down 35 to nothing throwing every play. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm going to be safe over here because it, this game is over and, and, and I'm too valuable to, to go out there and play with you guys. You know what? Everybody looks at you. You're the leader. You're the quarterback. And they go, really? So you make the mess, and we got to, we got we get to stay up here, and some other guys got to come in and take the beating for you. It's like a stunt double, right? You know, it's like you're doing a movie, and you know, all right, this is going to hurt, so bring on the stunt double. Like, just from a optical viewpoint, an optics uh, as as the leader of the franchise, as a quarterback of the, of the team, uh, the leader of the offense, for you to allow yourself in that moment to be pulled and say. Hey, big guy, um, this game is lost, which, by the way, you should never concede until the zero zero zero. But this game is lost, and we're more afraid of you getting hurt than anything else that can happen the rest of the night. And so we're setting you aside from all your teammates who get to take all the abuse and get to get all the questions about why they, they were so poor um, while you're sort of insulated from it all because we just want to make sure that you're going to be there the next week. So, you know, that that's a tough one, man, like – um, I, yeah, well, I get why he stayed in the game. I mean, this I don't happened. expect this was Tom Brady to want to come out, and I wouldn't expect him to come out willingly. But but you couldn't take him out. My point is, you'd have to drag him off the field. Is what I think. I do. You might he, be right. He he just he wasn't going to do it because this happened. And I asked this question back with Dirk Cutter when they got the absolute crap kicked out of him in Arizona one game. And Jameis Winston was throwing Hail Marys and getting blasted. Like he was he was getting like huge hits, hit after hit, trying to throw the ball down like, you know, 28, 29 points, whatever it was at the time. And I asked the same question to Dirk Cutter, and he goes, If you know anything about football, you know why he, why we didn't replace him. I go, Well, I don't I know a little bit about what his value is to your team, and that's the franchise quarterback who at no point, you know, 
can bring you back from 35 down or whatever it was that day um, in the short time that was left on the clock. So why, again, would you expose him to injury? And he's just like, you know what? Those are your guys out there. Those are your guys. You bleed with them. You live. You die with them. And it's not right if you're the leader of that offense to say, eh, you know what, I've stunk it up enough today. I'm going to go over here and sit, you know, and have a nice tea. I mean, it's just like it, there's just an etiquette. There's just a belief that you start the game, you finish the game, unless it's the other side. Now, if you're way up on somebody, if you've got a you know 25-point lead or 21-point lead and you don't think there's any way you can blow that, then by all means, feel free to pull all your starters and give guys reps. They've kind of done their job. Um, but yeah, not, not at that point, not, not when you're losing, not when you, you're, you're the reason why they have to pull you because you've stunk it up. Um, that's the mess you made and you have to write it out, you know, rather than let poor, I mean, basically you're going to put in a backup quarterback and they're going to know you're throwing every down and he's going to take the physical pounding that you deserve. Right. So bring on the stunt double and let them kick his butt. I'm too special. I mean, I wouldn't have just pulled Tom Brady. I'd have pulled Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can't. Unfortunately, you couldn't pull everybody. You don't have enough. The roster size is big enough, players, enough to right. have everybody. But yeah, you know, Rashad White. Well, see, now I I would feel better about that as a quarterback or even as yeah. a, as a coach for sure, and say, look, we're not letting anybody play that's valuable to us right now because this game is over, and I want to get some reps for some younger guys or. You know what? If you've pulled them out as a as a unit, or or, or as skilled players or something mm-hmm. like that, that would go down a lot easier to me. Right. I mean, you're one um, of the oldest teams in the league. Right. Right. Getting taking some reps off for these guys. Granted, you'd rather be doing it when you're blowing the other team out instead of being blown out. But sure, same sa- saving though. reps for an older team is good. Yeah. No, you, it absolutely is. Opportunity. Yeah, and you look at the injuries they have in the secondary in different places. You know, every play you play, well. It's as simple as this. Tristan Wirfs is going to miss several weeks, and they thought maybe they lost him for the season. Why? Because the game went into overtime. You know, if that game, I mean, you could reasonably say, well, if you win that game in regulation, or for that matter, lose it, or whatever, if you don't go to overtime, Tristan Wirfs is still playing. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, every down that you have is the potential of somebody getting hurt. But yeah, I mean, but I, I would agree out. with you. No, no. But uh, like I said, I would have pulled a lot of people. Yeah, that make that would have made sense to me, and I bet, and it probably would have been more appealing to Brady than anything. But I know, I know quarterbacks, and I I know what these guys think mm-hmm. and the way they're wired, and it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going down with the ship. I mean, that's well, sort of how they feel. You want you your know? quarterback to feel that way. You want sure every, you, you want do. every player on that roster to feel absolutely. That way. No matter absolutely. how bad we're, we're playing, no matter how bad I'm playing personally, I want to be out there. Right. I'm gonna, you know, be with my team no matter what. That's that's it. If you don't, if your quarterback doesn't think that way, yeah, get rid of him. Yeah. I mean, wasn't exactly. that kind of the, the knock on? And, and granted, I don't have any idea if it's true, but isn't that kind of the knock on Kyler Murray of the reports that were coming out? Doesn't yeah. study, doesn't this, doesn't you know? Sure. You know, didn't, didn't I have no idea if those are true with Kyler. And, and a shame tonight he got carted off, and it sounds like he's yeah, going to need knee bad. surgery this week. Yeah, it's bad. And by the way, the Bucks not for nothing play the Cardinals in two weeks in Arizona on on Christmas night, so not a, not an instant. Even though they have Colt McCoy, and he's moved the ball okay, but is still going to lose this game probably to the Patriots as we do this podcast. It's it's not Kyler Murray, so that's yet another break. I mean, think about the quarterbacks. You can line them all up, and you go, it's not exactly a who's who's list, but the Bucks have found a way to lose to most of them, and so. Uh, it looks like Colt McCoy will probably be the guy waiting for them on Christmas. All right, we've got lots of these questions concerning the Bucks and others uh, real quickly here. But first, I want to remind you guys, if you're looking to save money on your electric bill and who the hell isn't, uh, call our friends at May Electric Solar. It's a family-owned business. They've been doing this now in the area for 12 years. There's a lot of these companies. You're not going to find many that's been doing it as long as Billy May and the guys they're committed to you for the long term. Uh, they guarantee their workmanship and uh, service with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the made difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, 
May Electric displays all its products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. You know exactly who's doing the job. Those are Billy's guys up on their roof. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long and preserve the quality of your life and that of your appliances. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, we've got plenty of questions. Uh, boy, I tell you what, Buck's Twitter and other places is kind of a dark and lonely place right now, but uh, a lot of people have questions, so let's get to them. We'll start with this one, and I'm not sure if you've seen this report, so I will read it. But Stewie was asking if we saw the report from Mike Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle after the game. And I'll read this. The level of responsibility that Tom Brady imposes upon himself has always been massive, and this year he's taxed to the max. One example. On the night before each game, Brady runs a separate meeting with the Bucks' skill players, during which he goes over the game plan, makes tweaks to assignments and formations, and provides a revised blueprint. One which first-year head coach Todd Bowles, offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, and the rest of the staff are left to discover in real time once the game begins. All right. Well, I I did read the report, um, and I'm not ever going to be one to knock somebody else's reporting, much less Mike Silver, who has done this at a much higher level than I have. Of course, he was uh, Sports Illustrated's pro football writer, did a thousand Super Bowls, has done profiles on Brady and others now working for the San Francisco Chronicle, I believe. Um, And so I did read it. Uh, I would say this. Like, part of that would surprise me. The part that doesn't is that the night before the game, he has a separate meeting with skilled players. He's been doing this for quite some time. And especially, you know, he also does it on Saturdays, I believe, with the offensive alignment. They go over every protection. They go over every scenario so he can predict – reasonably what they're thinking what they're seeing and what they're going to do um the fact that he would get with his skilled players the night before a game not a surprise because again he's the guy that's watched the most tape so he wants to tell you know whether it's mike evans or you know julio jones or any of them you know here's what i see when we do this you do this so on and so forth i get it it's just again another layer of coaching and and that's above everything else you know if you were to lose Tom Brady as a player that's one thing you're going to lose one of the best coaches too because he I'm convinced he could coach any position on offense you know I mean he's that good as far as the revised blueprint part I mean I don't think it's the first time the coaches have seen these plays. Now, maybe they came in late. Uh, when I say late, maybe game day. Um, maybe even, you know, after the warm-ups have begun. I'm not, I'm not really sure. But it just seems to me that, you know, Brady has always had a lot of input. And, and he's always wanted to get with his guys and kind of go over the nuances because he's a perfectionist. And he's kind of done that ever since the beginning. Um, I, I mean, I remember writing about this when he was a rookie, or not a rookie, when he was here the first year, clearly wasn't a rookie, when he was here his first year. And the one thing that Tom was shocked about was that Byron Leftwich was doing the offense entirely on his own. I mean, think about it. You're, you're the quarterback of the Patriots. You decide to move. You're a free agent. And you look around, and you like what Bruce Arians is doing. You like their personnel and all of that. And you come in, and you try to be a people pleaser, and you learn his system uh, to the point where you get to the point where you're like, you know what, i got to tweak some things and whatnot. Um, But the biggest shock was that, you know, Bruce Arians wasn't involved in the the game planning or, or you know, any of that. It was left to Todd Bowles. Uh, and I've written about how after the first game he ever played in New Orleans, of course, they get beat, and that's when, you know, Arians called him out and said, well, bad throw here, bad read there, and he was kind of put off by it. And yet, um, he was okay. They get on the bus, and they go back to one buck. The next morning, he comes in the facility, and it's a Monday. They're playing Carolina on Sunday, and Leftwich approaches him and hands him a game plan. For Sunday's game, and Brady's basically like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> He's like, well, "That's, I got here at three o'clock in the morning. That's what I do. Here, here's the tendencies. Ba ba ba. This we're going to work on this week, and 
you know, so on and so forth. And and Brady was like very put off by it. He's like, look, I haven't looked at the first reel of tape yet, you know. So there's been this sort of push pull, but I've been convinced, and maybe Mike Silver is accurately reporting it for the first time now. I don't know, but I was told, and I thought I wrote some time ago that. You know, Brady is as much the coordinator as Byron is. And that's what's tough if you're Byron because when they were scoring 30 points a game, you know, it was all Brady's doing. And when now when they start losing and they're scoring 17 points a game, then clearly somebody's hide, holding them back. And I'm just here to tell you, Tom Brady, while he's a player, spends an inordinate amount of time doing film study, uh, working on his weaknesses, all of that stuff. And... You know, I, I just, I don't think anything is going to be forced on him, you know? Like, I, I just think that Brady has a lot of say in the plays they call, the plays they like, and down in distances, certain situation. And he said this, Steve, he said, you know, on his podcast, he was like, look, I stunk it up. We had three turnovers, two of them were mine. I underthrew Scotty Miller. Like, it was a, that's a touchdown. So... I think he's been contrite. I, I, I just this, this sort of like the way it's presented by Mike was the way I saw it or read it was he's kind of like going over their heads and they're trying to follow along, so to speak. They don't know what he's doing out there. I don't know if it's that to that degree yet. You know, I, I really don't. I, that, that would surprise me. I'm not going to knock his reporting, but I'm just saying I just think that there's more collaboration than, than most people realize. I don't think it's him just going rogue. All right, Robbie had uh, emailed you. He said, it's a, neat, it's a common knee-jerk refrain across the NFL to blame your team's offensive line. That it all starts in the trenches, yada, yada, yada. But that's mostly opinion. Most fans think their offensive line stinks, regardless of the team. In pure analytics like Pro Football Focus, the Bucks line doesn't grade all that different from a team like Kansas City. So is the Bucks line really as bad as claimed? I think the analytics you know, can, can tell some of the story, but not all of it. Like, for example... You'll look at how how many times Brady gets hit, which isn't that many, right? So you compare him to other offensive lines. But then Brady's unloading the ball quicker than anybody. Why is he doing that? He doesn't trust his protection. He's just smart enough to work, to know where to go with the ball. If he was a rookie quarterback, maybe he's taking sacks. So it's a combination of Brady makes them look good. Um, and so at times, certain analytics will tell you they're not as bad as everyone says they are. Somewhere in there is a mama bear. Right, like it's not all because Brady gets rid of the ball fast that he's not hit much, but it's also not because they're the best they're a better offensive line than you know than people think, and statistics would bear out that, so I think it's a combination look they're not they're not the worst offensive line in the league, they're just not okay they've got guys that can play now when you lose a Tristan Wirfs irreplaceable from the standpoint he's all pro, you don't have another Tristan Wirfs, no one has. Very few teams have five starting good offensive linemen. Almost none of them have an extra tackle or two tackles, right? And when Donovan Smith's the last guy on the line from the Super Bowl year and last season and he's playing the way he is, you, you, that's an issue, right? Like you can't – you need him to be Donovan Smith because he's, he's the last of that group. So I don't think it's as – I don't think they're as bad as – their numbers, in other words, they can't run the ball, but they don't have a lot of pa- they don't have a lot of rushing attempts. And when they do, you know, they're second and nine a lot. They're second and eight. They're third and third and seven plus. Um, so there's certain things they don't do well, like run block is one of them. But no, I I I think there's very few teams that can line up and say our five guys are going to whip you, and we're never going to get anybody hurt, and we're going to keep doing it. These guys were they had a ton of change and, and injuries are part of the game and losing Ryan Jensen was enormous because he was more than just a good player, he was an attitude setter. Um you I, I go back to Kansas City made it all the way to the Super Bowl against the Bucks in Super Bowl 55 and having looked at that game during the week cuz I was a pool reporter with the Bucks, I said to myself, I think the Chiefs are going to get destroyed. I really I did. I'm not a gambling man and nor should I gamble when I cover teams like this, but I knew that the plan that the Bucks had, as healthy as they were at that time, and they brought back Vita Bay and he just came off that, you know, that big game in Green Bay, that offensive line was never going to hold up. 
I don't feel that way about this one. I don't think they're good. Don't get me wrong. But they've done enough good things at, in spurts to make me believe it's in them. And to me, coaching, and I think you better harp on this a little bit, who's coaching this offensive line? What kind of job is Harold Goodwin doing in the running game? You know, how good is the offensive line coach? Um, this They should always get better, not worse. And I don't think they're the worst offensive line. I, I just don't think they, they're very consistent. And I don't think, I hate to say it, at times I don't think they're coached very well. You know, we're way past the time where you go, yeah, but Robert Hainsey is the center. Yeah, but Nick Leverett is is the guard. Those guys have been together now for a while. There's no reason they can't play, you know. So it's to me, it's a little bit of a lazy take. Is that well, you know, the offensive line is really bad, and you know, but but here's these statistics that show they're not as bad as everybody thinks, and it's simply because they know they can't hold up, or Tom knows they can't hold up, so he's getting rid of that thing so quick. I continue to see all these one and two yard completions, and you're still third and three or third and four. And you're like, wow, you know, it, they're playing in a, you know, in a shoebox. Like this offense has no downfield threat, and it's all because they don't trust those guys up front. But are they the worst? Um, analytics would tell you no. I would say a lot of that's Tom, but I still think they're better than as advertised, and they're not they're not ranked very high to say the least. I just think they're the guys you got, and you got to find a way. You got to find out what they do well and how you can win with them. And the Bucks haven't been able to do that. Look, their offensive game plan, their run game is very staid and very basic and, you know, fullback lead and stuff you would see sometimes in the 90s. It doesn't resemble the Miami Dolphins. It doesn't resemble, you know, the 49ers that we saw on Sunday. And schematically, they got to do better. But I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, our offensive line is terrible and you know, they're not going anywhere until they completely rebuild that thing. I, I think there's a lot of layers to it. And I think that Tom is protecting himself, number one, making them look a little better than they really are. Uh, but then also this narrative that they're the worst that ever played. And they're not. They're not great. And they need worse back. But they're not the worst that's ever played. All right, we had several questions on Donovan Smith. But this one email mm-hmm. I'll read from Bob. He says, Donovan Smith is a liability. I appreciate that he evidently has some personal issues he's dealing with, but he needs to compartmentalize. Two weeks in a row, he was called for holding that nullified touchdowns. Last week, they overcame the penalty, but this week they didn't. It truly was a momentum changer. I submit that if that touchdown to Mike Evans stands, it may very well have been a different outcome. Moreover, the rest of the line is made up of second-tier guys due to injuries and retirement of last year's O-line, but I submit the second-tier guys are playing better than Smith. What do you think, and what, if anything, can be done about it? We're already chipping the defensive end on the right side of the line to help out Josh Wells. Yeah, that's the problem right there is that you can't help both guys. Um, or it's very difficult to. I mean, if you want two eligible, you can do it, I suppose. But for the most part, yeah, geez, losing Tristan Wirfs. I mean, that was the one guy you could trust to hold up one-on-one against anybody, right? He's given up very few, if any, sacks. And that's been the case in his career, which is still very short. Um. I struggle with the Donovan Smith thing because I think at times he's been a target and I think it's been unfair. And again, I'll go back to nobody has five great offensive linemen. I don't think Smith has made a Pro Bowl. Everybody else just about on that old offensive line did, Ali Marpet and such. Um, but if if Donovan Smith says, look, there's stuff going on and and you guys don't know about it, but it's out there, it could be emotional. It could be physical. We know he hyperextended his elbow. It's not to excuse him, right? But he's one of the most durable guys that this team has ever seen. And if he wanted to, and it was an injury, and he didn't want to put on tape what he has put on tape the last few weeks, having a couple touchdowns off the board, he could easily come to them and say, listen, I'm not playing one-handed today. I don't think I can do that, you know? But he's a gamer, and if stuff outside of his personal life is bothering him, then you know, go see somebody because for three hours on Sunday, you know, you need him on that wall. You want him on that wall. Um, but there really isn't. If you thought, if the Bucks coaches thought there was a guy, Brandon Walton, let's say, anyone who could play better, 
I think he'd be playing. I, I don't think you hold guys back. I know, you know, there is sort of a GM thing with when they fall in love with the draft picks and if they're paying a guy a lot of money, they want to get some bang for their buck and all that, that happens. But not not this far into the season, you know? It's just that he's got to play better and, and he's had a pretty rough patch of elite, you know, edge rushers to go against. So you'd like for him to whatever it is compartmentalize and he should be able to do that, you know, for three hours. Um now this offensive line is not gonna have three or four pro bowlers on it. It's just not gonna happen. You know, but this is who they have. And the one guy that's been there and done that is Donovan Smith. And I, I hope if it's personal he can get beyond it. If it's physical because of the hyperextended elbow then you take your hat off to him and say, wow, you know, thanks for sticking it out and giving us a chance because a lot of guys would have just shut it down maybe if he required surgery, and I don't know that he did. But I'm kind of in Don Donnie's corner in this one. Like, I feel like, look, he's played awful, and it's there for everybody to see. And he's played, but he's still week in, week out, play out, play out. You're going against the greatest athletes probably in your sport. Um, there's a lot of pressure there, man, you know. But I don't... There's no one to change to. If they, you know, at some point I think maybe Worfs will be the left tackle um, and they'll have to find a right tackle and maybe Smith will move on, but that that's not going to be the case now. So he's got to play better. Um, they, they've got to protect him and help him when they can. And and that's about all you can do right now. There's, there's, not, there's not a lot of all pro guard or tackles out there just sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. It's just this is who you have, and you got to figure out a way to get through to him uh, and get him back on track like he was the Super Bowl year because he was very, very good then. All right, Ellis tweeted. He said, thoughts on the idea that Tom Brady's shoulder, the one he hurt in the Carolina game, was finally getting right just in time for him to smash his hand against the defender's helmet Sunday. Could this be the source of accuracy issues? Well, it could be. I don't think it is. Now, there are probably certain throws, right, that he feels more confident ripping than others, okay? And maybe one of those is the deep ball that he doesn't have a feel for, you know, because of the shoulder um, or whatnot. But when I look at his arm and other people look at his arm, they go, wow, you know, that (laughs) dude can still spin it, man. Um, And I think maybe of a more immediate interest, you know, could be that he's banged he's banged some fingers on some helmets this year in the latest one i don't know if it's going to hurt him throwing the football or not um i do think he has a shoulder sprain you know whether it's an ac joint or something like that that he's been he's been dealing with it seems like he struggles more sort of on the deep balls than he does intermediate to short um so that might be something to watch but uh i don't think We'll find out probably after the season. I don't think it's going to require surgery. Um, he's playing through it. He he does take a day off and practice every now and then to to rest his wing. Um, but I think he's fine. And and not that he would you know advertise that, but a lot of guys get hurt. And and you know Brady's got nicks and bumps and bruises, and he he hit his hand on the helmet again. And that's just part of the game, man. They you know quarterbacks want to be football players too even though they don't have the same job really, but they, you know, they, they want to mix it up and, and be tough guys. And if Brady thought that he couldn't throw the ball effectively to give his, his team the best chance to win, he'd come out. But yeah, I think he's gotten through it. And I also think we're going to find out at the end of the season and go, yeah, but he had this, right? Like an, an AC joint problem or, uh, you know, torn labrum or, you know, something like that. Um, but for right now, he's not going to talk about it. And, I still think he's. I still think he can spin it and throw it well enough to win more games than he has. Let's put it that way. All right, Jeff sent you an email. He said, "Is it my imagination, or are the Bucks' safeties the ones most likely in the NFL to fail to look for the ball when attempting to defend a pass play? How can they be called defenders if their objective appears to be to knock the ball away after it is caught? No wonder there are so few interceptions. Is it that their coverage is so late that they're seldom close enough to make a difference?" Well, in some occasions, yes. Um, that's not always the case. And look, I, I think what you're seeing from the secondary right now is that they're beat up and they've got to get some guys back healthy. 
you know, that that's job one, whether that's corners or safeties. I mean, both safeties have been out. Mike Edwards, Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, that's that's a problem. Um, as far as, you know, them not looking for the ball, I mean, that's the technique that, you know, they're being taught is to run run to the where you think the ball is going to be, look, and then lean, and you might not get, you know, the penalty. Um, but they should be looking for the football, you know, and in certain coverages they have their eyes on the quarterback, and in certain coverages the quarterback moves them with their eyes. And so you got to be careful, you know, what you're looking for uh, and not get caught up in everything else. But, yeah, I mean, the interception thing is a combination of rush and coverage. It's never it's never just one one thing. And I think sometimes the coverage has been there and the rush is not and vice versa. But they, they do not get turnovers on this team. That's another reason why they've struggled so much to win. You know, Todd Bowles' teams are known for getting turnovers. And I think, you know, you need an Antoine Winfield Jr. You need your starters back. They're back for a reason, you know. Uh, they're the best players you have to play. So the coverage at times has been lacking. But I I just think overall um, – Look, you gotta have you gotta have your best players on the field. And the guy that I thought was playing the best defense for them was Antoine Winfield Jr. in every in every way, you know. Uh and he's had struggled now with concussions. That's scary. But I sure would like to see him and Mike Edwards back and see what they can do. Even though Count O'Neill's done an admiral job and Logan Ryan's kind of back there being there, Richard Sherman this year a little bit. Uh, but they're going to need more than that, and I don't put it all on 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 the on the defensive safeties. I I think I think sometimes you know you've got to get teams and down distances. You need a lead as well to get turnovers, skin interceptions. Like you need to put a team down and be one dimensional late in games, and that that's just what they haven't done. So the numbers can say a lot of things, but um, I I think they have depth there. I think they're good there. It's just they can't keep them healthy. All right, Linda emailed us. She said, I read your article about the game, and I agree with a lot of it. Bucks have not looked good all season. Too many injuries, too many good players are out. But I have to say this. Don't you think it looks suspicious that whenever the Bucks did anything worthwhile, like that first touchdown that was called back and the fumble they recovered and was negated by yet another penalty, it just looked very fishy? The officials were not calling any penalties on the other team, and a lot of the penalties were called on us were not warranted. Your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think the refs had it in for the Bucs as they do every Brady. No, I listen, I, I believe that if that were my job to be an NFL official, um, are they influenced by home crowds? And sometimes, you know, you got your hand on the pocket and the crowd goes nuts, and so you throw it maybe uh, without thinking very, very, very fast. But no, to answer your question, no, I don't think anything's fishy. Um, could you call holding on every play? You could, maybe, to the letter of the law. But some of the penalties the Bucks had were egregious, like we just talked about Donovan Smith. Ken O'Neill, I don't know what he can do at that speed when you're heading to a collision course, crash course with, with the quarterback, but they want you to lower your target, you know. And so instead of 12-yard loss, now it's a 27-yard gain, that sort of thing. Or plus twenty seven. It's it's. I just never subscribe to the point that this crew or this official has it in for somebody. Now maybe we can all go to Las Vegas and try to identify these guys, but I think they're doing the best job they can do. And and I don't I don't think it's fishy. I think you make your own breaks in this game, and the Bucks, you know, just haven't done that enough. Um, so there's always there's always four or five calls you can look at and go, wow, if they get this penalty or they, they don't throw that penalty, that changes the outcome, and it does because that's that's the National Football League. But you really don't want to get in a pattern where you're blaming the officials regardless of who you're rooting for. Um, they're doing the best they can, and it's a fast game, and, and you know there's still a lot of football to be played. So, no, I'm not I, – I don't think the earth is flat. I don't think – 
you know, 911 was a hoax. Like, there's certain things that I don't believe in. So I, I don't think that the officiating is rigged against Tampa Bay right now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, Tom said this one, and he says, Tom Brady wasn't good, and the O-line has issues. But explain how a first-start quarterback, okay, he has excellent weapons, made Todd Bowles' defense look so slow, so unprepared, and disinterested. Never going to win this game off a short week and going west, but, quote, busted coverages could be the title of the defense's movie of the season. <laughs> I like that. To write a theme song to that. Um, wow, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, I mean, I think you just gave all the excuses, right? Todd, you know, coming off a, a short week, um, he thinks that, that Bowles is unprepared. I wouldn't say that. He said the defense looks slow, unprepared, and disinterested. A first, yeah. a first start quarterback made him look that way. Well, and credit to him, he had a nice first half, and he only threw the ball three times in the second half. I I can't excuse the defense this time. I just can't. Like we've sat up here and we've talked about how well, you know, if they could just score eighteen or twenty, like this defense has done its job. For the first time, they didn't, and and didn't in a, in a grand way. Right? You had. Safety's looking at the quarterback while the receiver runs by him and catches a touchdown. Stuff like that just can't happen, you know. You, you just you just can't put that on tape, you know. And unfortunately, that's the way they played. You know, they haven't done it every week. I mean, I think the defense has been pretty pretty consistent, but for whatever reason, they made the job pretty easy. You know, for Brock Purdy, and he—that's why he only had to throw it three times. You see, by the way, Steve, he's hurt. <laughs> I mean, I'm always amazed by this. Like Brady goes and he plays 23 seasons. Other than the ACL injury, he didn't miss any games. And they'll go play a dude that was born the year before he was in the in in the NFL, and he and he plays a half a game, then starts a game, and the next thing you hear is that they may have to start Josh Johnson against Seattle. It's the damnedest thing I've ever heard of. Better get on that TB12 plan. I'm telling you, man, this stuff works. I mean, the guy, you know, father time and all that, but, like, he has managed. And, and some of that is, you know, he's always said, I'd rather lose a game than get lose a season. And he's just smart that way. He protects himself, you know. I I think it's remarkable. And I'm not sure, by the way, are you – I don't know how you – I didn't ask you this last night necessarily, but did you think – are the 49ers going to win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? Like, could he, and he's hurt right now, but could he take them all the way? Or do you think this, this ride is going to end because he's, you know, when they get behind and he has to go and throw the ball and every down to win it, he's not going to be able to do it? Yeah. Well, I think when you get to the playoffs, you're going to be playing a lot better teams. Right. Than the Bucs right. for several weeks in a row. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't, Absolutely. I don't think at this point in Brock Purdy's career, they can win a Super Bowl with him. No. Yeah, not even sure that's, they could with Jimmy Garoppolo, who might could be back potentially in the playoffs. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it'd be very late. I mean, he had him ahead I mean, in the I Super love... Bowl and couldn't hold it. Right. Well, yeah, that's been his problem. I mean, doesn't throw the deep ball and all of that. Looks like Debo Samuel may come back. I mean, there I was reading something about his his ankle and or foot um, could heal in time. But, I mean, that defense is legit though. That's that's how they and that's how they smother. I mean, that's how they smother you. They win with mm-hmm. the defense, and they've got I mean, they great offensive enough. weapons that they use in so many ways, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Samuel and McCaffrey and Ayuk. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and they use As these guys different back. ways all the time. You have no clue how they're going to use them each play. That's right. That's right. And so your your eye discipline changes because they got all this motion, and these guys are are you know got man coverage at times, and um, they're a handful, man. I I was impressed. I was impressed with them. I really was. I mean, I, I don't. I still think they're going to need a better quarterback to win it all. But the kid did great, and he stood in there and took that big hit the first play of the game, and he didn't blink, and kept firing. And 
Yeah, he deserves a ton of credit, man. All right, we'll end on this one for the night. Alejandro tweeted, If the Bucks season goes to shambles, missing the playoffs, how many players does this team lose since they are the oldest team in the league? I'd have to look at the salary cap. I think they're going to lose a bunch, though. And there are some situations where you might elect to take some dead money and let the player go, you know what I mean, Like rather than throw good money after bad. Say, for example, the dead, the dead cap hit is, you know, $5 million, but you'd owe him 15 or 25 if you stick around. I think there might be some cases where they just do that. Well, but if we're going to answer this question 100% correct, mm-hmm. don't you first have to know who's your quarterback? You do. Is Tom Brady back? No. I mean, I don't think he is, but... Not here. Let me ask you this question, in all honesty, since we mm-hmm. were asked this, like, how many players they lose? Start with Brady, because you're right. I think a lot. Of, I think the dominoes fall right there, right? Because if Brady's back, then, you, you know, you have the urgency, you have the same, you probably want to add, not subtract guys. Mm-hmm. If he's not, nothing against Kyle Trask or Blaine Gabbert, but, pff, frankly, we're not paying dudes, right. um, you know, that we're going to have to rebuild and stuff like that. Then the next question is, is Todd Bowles back? That's... That's all part of it. Like, because a new coach could mean a new schemes. Could be, does Leonard Fournette fit in the plans anymore? Does does another player fit? You know, I mean, you know. So what's the you know what are we going to look like? What's the team going to look like? What's the vision going forward if that happens? Well, they got to get younger, so you're going to mm-hmm. see a lot of guys you know fall off the payroll. They may still have dead money and things like that, but they've got to get younger regardless of who's coaching. Um. And, yeah, I think if if they made a coaching change, you might see probably more defections on one side of the ball or the other. Look, for the first time after that game the other day, when I heard Todd Bowles sit up there and say what he said before, which is we got out-coached, we got outplayed, we got our butts kicked, we got to coach better, I'm kind of at the point where that's if that's not going to fly with, you know, a sufficient answer from a reporter, it's certainly not going to fly with the fans because I can show you their comments. And for the first time, I I think Todd Bowles, I think the whole coaching staff could be in trouble. You know, and and I've thought about this like, well, Byron's probably going to pay the price if they make the playoffs. Maybe they win a game, whatever. Um, But what does that do, really? You know, I mean, the head coach is supposed to set the tone. And I, I think for the first time, like, I, I would be, if they lose to the Bengals and they got to go to Arizona, they got to win through the last three in a row, Arizona, Carolina at home, and then at Atlanta, which will probably be for maybe the division championship. Man, I don't know. I don't know if they do it. That Atlanta game getting flexed to Sunday night to decide the NFC South? Yeah. I which mean, team yeah. can go 8-9 and nine to go to the playoffs? They're right. They're going with the rookie quarterback, but you know what? He might be better. They might know what they're like doing. Looks like Mariota's going on IR. He's going on IR. That's right. So there was a reason why he wasn't playing, but it it really is dependent on what mode they're in: rebuild, reload, or just burn it to the ground. And unfortunately, unfortunately, because I, I like him, but I I I think. I don't know that the Glazers would have the appetite. Like, if you were Jason Light and you said, you know what we should do? We should stick with the guy we have, you know? Like, that's really the best thing. Even if you believe that, can you sell it? Can you sell it to your owners? You know, because I, I saw Joel, Joel um, Glazer's face and, and others. To say they were unhappy the other night was an understatement. They were, I think they were pissed. To be honest with you, I think they were mad that they put that on the on tape. You know, like they just weren't competitive, and for that reason, and the fact that he that Todd Bowles gets up there and says the same thing, which is nothing in terms of how you're going to fix this. I think Bowles and his staff might be in trouble. So, I'm I'm with you. If I mean, typically you lose probably about twenty players a year, twenty to twenty five. Um, free agency cuts, whatever, but it could be bigger than that. 
I think you could see one of the young go from one of the oldest teams in the league to one of the youngest, and 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 maybe have a coaching change. So that's how important these last couple weeks are. You know, starting with the Cincinnati game. If they lose that, I mean, really, right now, I think I read Stephen. I think this is true. Carolina, Carolina controls its own destiny. I mean, you're going to have to beat Carolina, who has a game in hand. So if Carolina yeah, wins, well, yeah, they're a game behind you. They've they already, got, they've already beat you once, and they play you another time. So yeah, they do control the their thing. destiny. Yeah, right. So if they sweep you, they're in. If they, they have the same yeah, record, assume, as you. yeah, yeah. So it, it's all in their hands. As no, much as it's no, also there's in the a three way tie. I don't know how the tiebreakers work. Well, I think yeah. The first thing um, is typically division record, right? Division record, or is it head to head with the other two teams? Well, it's head to head first. The first tiebreaker is always head to head, right? So if even if it's the, a three way tie, so you, I, I'm not so sure if it's a three way tie unless unless they both knock the guy out twice, right? If there's two teams that you know are undefeated against them. But if it starts to muddy it up a bit, I'm not sure that they knock them out for that. Um, but then you go, then you go, you know, division record, conference record, NFC record, which is big. And you typically don't get below, below you know, the third or fourth tiebreaker. Um, but Carolina, in as much as if they won out, I think they're division, they're division champions because they would have swept the Bucks. Okay, you know, so I assume, just looked it up here. Head-to-head... Among the three teams, the, the games among the three clubs, yes. Okay, so, so I don't take. I don't know what the Panthers have done against the Falcons this year, but but if you're all one and one against each other, then right. you go to the next tiebreaker and so. But forth. presumably, if it's a three way tie, probably Carolina has beaten the Bucks. Right, that's right. Because you lose that they game, you're two games them. back with only what three other games. I mean, it's still possible if you if you go one and one. Right. At the second tiebreaker among three clubs is best one loss tie percentage in games played within the division. Division, yeah. So that adds the Saints in, and then then it would be best then the best uh, percentage in common games, mm-hmm. and then conference games. Right. And then it goes on to strength of victory, et cetera. But watch out for Carolina. You know, everybody's talking about New Orleans. You're talking about different teams. Like that looks like a different team since the coaching change. Yeah, Steve Wilkes, man. A one and done in Arizona, but he's getting it done in Carolina. So we'll see. This is going to be wild. I I think right now, if if I'm in the prediction business, the Bucks lose to Cincinnati. I think they probably beat Arizona, although it's not guaranteed. And even if they don't, with no momentum at all, you just don't know going back. out for Christmas night. The right. mindset, the mindset of teams, and right, you just you don't, don't know. know. And, no, they could be checked out, and then you know Arizona might be circling the drain. But eight and nine, if you take care of business in, in the conference or the division, I'm sorry, and you beat Carolina and you beat Atlanta and you go eight and nine, you're in. I think you're in. Yo, you beat Carolina and Atlanta, yeah, you're definitely in at that point. Yeah, so they can lose to Cincinnati and they can lose to Arizona and still have a they'll still have the the fate in their own hands. And so will the Panthers, by the way. But it gets tighter. But there, there's no indication they're going to play good football down the stretch. I mean, that's the thing. Like, are they going to catch fire in the last month? I don't think so. I mean, they, I guess they could. That's, that's the plan. That's the goal. You know, I was listening to Brady on his podcast. And let's let's give Brady this. Like, he missed throws, and he, he, he admitted that. You know, he wasn't good. I mean, a lot of this is on Tom, too. I get these questions as well, and we didn't get one tonight, but it's like, who's more to blame here? You know, players play, coaches coach. And in this case, maybe Tom does a little coaching too, or a lot of coaching. But it just, you know, to me, they're gonna, the division's going to be one at eight and nine, and the Bucks have it all right in front of them, as does Carolina, most likely. And I think the Bucks prevail, but... They've got a ton of injuries now to deal with, you know, not just Antoine Winfield Jr. or Sean Murphy Bunting or, you know, those guys, but Jamel Dean hurt his toe, you know, and that that's a big issue. Um, you know, might Carlton Davis might be the only guy that's healthy enough to of the of the group they've started, you know, to go out there and play well. So there's a lot, just a lot going on this week, man. It's uh, 
it's a mess, and yet they'll regroup, and there's still a game in first place, and everything, all their goals are still in front of them. So you could have it a lot worse. But thanks for your questions. Uh, lots of them on the box, understandably. Just want to remind you before we go, May Electric Solar, if you want to save money on your electric bill, call these folks. They're going to hook you up with a 30-year labor and services warranty. You get $750 worth of surge protection for your appliances. Start saving today. The solar energy experts, May Electric Solar, they're at 727-819-2862. So kind of a big day in sports, if you will. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning will welcome back Yanni Gord and the Kraken come to town at Emily Arena. And then Zach Eflin is going to be introduced as the Rays pitcher, the guy that they traded from Philadelphia. No, they didn't trade. They signed him to a three-year, $40 million deal. Yeah. So, yep. giant, giant deal for them. And, and I guess, you know, Obviously, one of the top three pitchers. So, mm-hmm. and we didn't even uh, mention to, Kevin Kiermaier, now a Blue Jay. Unbelievable, man! At, you know, there are certain guys that you you know you think of in their uniform, and they played so long with one organization, and you always can see, you know, Kiermaier being that guy. It's going to be weird because he went to a division team. I mean, they're going to see this guy nineteen times, presumably. So, well, it's like when you traded Carl Crawford to Boston. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, David Price, Grant, you traded to the Tigers, then he signed with Boston in the next offseason. Yeah, you saw him, yeah. So you, didn't, uh, you didn't send him there, although the Rays didn't send Kiermaier to Toronto. So. No, we've happy se- for we've Kevin. We've seen this before. Yeah, happy for Kevin that he has a place to play and, and you know, organization that's on the upswing for sure. Um, but still, it was going to be a – It's always. it was always going to be weird when they let Kiermaier walk and um, – and here he is. He walks right in the same division, man. So I, I wonder what their response will be at the trap when he pulls one back over the wall that Wonder Franco Ooh. hits or something like that. It's going to be, hey, man, thanks for the memories, but really, did you have to do that? So, But good for him, you know. And, of course, they train here, so, you know, he'll be able to live here in, in the spring and stuff. Um, you, can't, you can't fault Kevin Kiermaier for his effort or the, the way he presented himself and represented the organization. It was... It was really good. So, yeah, lots going on uh, to follow in baseball, football as well. We'll keep you up to date. Check us out on TampaBay.com, Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for your questions. Hope we answered most of them for you. I know they're all 100% correct. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 